Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Today, we take a look at the topic, cervical cancer vaccine. What about it? Cervical cancer is the second most common cancer among women in Nigeria. And there were 31,955 new cervical cancer cases in West Africa in 2018. And Nigeria accounted for almost half of it. There were also 10,403 deaths, that's 28 deaths every day from cervical cancer in the country in the same year. About 70% of all cervical cancer cases are caused by the human papilloma virus, known as HPV stereotypes 16 and 18. And the most common mode of transmission is through sex. But it can also be transmitted through the use of contaminated hospital equipment and from mother to child. The cancer is ranked second in the numbers of years lost to disability among women in Nigeria. Approved HPV vaccines protect against cervical cancer and are recommended for adolescent girls before sexual debut. The HPV vaccine's decisions about children's treatment and preventive health care are largely made by the parents. Few studies in the country have assessed the parental willingness towards HPV vaccination and have shown that only few parents have permitted their children to be vaccinated. Now, this might be largely due to lack of information and enough sensitization about the cervical cancer vaccination. Hence, there is a need to have the conversation. A family health doctor and female health practitioner has joined me on the show. She is a general practitioner and family doctor of the Medicenter Ikeja, which is a world-class primary care facility providing quality health care across its four locations in Lagos. She's a graduate from the prestigious College of Medicine, University of Lagos, and has expertise in maternal and child care, as well as the care of the whole family. She has a postgraduate diploma in family medicine, patient-centered healthcare certification, and the Lagos Business School certification. Let's welcome Dr. Esther Adelokpo. Good afternoon to you, doctor. Good afternoon, Gloria. Thank you for having me once again. It's, such, it's such an honor to have you once again in the studio today. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. All right. Now, the human papilloma virus, HPV, like I said, is the highest cause of cervical cancer. But first, we need you to explain what this virus really is and then the vaccines available to treat it. Okay. Thank you. As we've said, you know, human papilloma virus, it is a virus. So in case of this cancer, unlike you know many other cancers, there is an identifiable cause, which is a virus. You know, and this organism, what it does is that it causes changes in the cells of the cervix. So the cervix is the mouth of the womb. So just imagine a balloon and then that mouth that comes out after it's been tied. So that's like the cervix where the rest of the balloon is the womb. So what this virus does is that it attacks that the lip of the cervix, uh, the lip of the womb, which is the cervix. And then it causes changes like it changes those cells, makes them become abnormal. And then over time, those abnormal cells eventually change into cancer cells. So that's how the virus goes on to affect and cause cervical cancer. Oh, wow. All right. Then what are the vaccines available to treat it? So, okay, well, um, the vaccines will not treat cervical cancer. So what the vaccines would do is to actually prevent, you know, cervical cancer to a large extent. Their, their efficacy is like above 90%, okay? And that is if they are taken before sexual debut. Mm -hmm. 
meaning that they are taking before their sexual exposure. And that is why the target is actually on getting the young girls and of course in some communities, the boys as well, to get the vaccination. So that's where the drive is because when the vaccine is given to children, so we're talking about from age nine all the way to 14, what happens is that their body is able to produce better immunity, better antibody response, do you understand, to that vaccination. And then these antibodies are able to protect the children eventually before they get exposed at any age of you know, sexual exposure. So the point basically is that the virus needs to be given before sexual exposure for it to have its maximum impact. Now, there is the conversations around giving people that are older but i mean that's something we would eventually talk about okay now you mentioned two things that got me really excited first is you mentioned that before sexual debut there's a need to give this vaccine and the second that sometimes you give the vaccine to male children so i read that male are susceptible to cervical cancer so how true is that and how do they get it Okay, so the thing is, men don't have the cervix. Yes, they do. So they can't have cervical cancer. But however, they can have cancers that arise from this human papillomavirus. Because you see, this human papillomavirus, apart from cervical cancer, it also causes other cancers of the anus, the vulva, which is the skin in front of the vagina that has the hair. Then it also causes cancer of the oropharyngeal. So that means the mouth, the throat. So the point is that any area where they can be genital to genital or oral to genital contact in sexual intercourse can be exposed to this virus. And then, of course, after exposure can, you know, result in, you know, cancers. Now, the, the point for vaccinating boys or eventually men, MSMs, men having sex with men, is because there is sexual exposure that, you know, relates to other body parts apart from genital to genital contact. And then you want to prevent these people from being able to get the cancers that can arise from this. So yes, that is where the case also for boys, you know, comes in. Of course, we also know that it is true sexual contact. So what it means is that even when a girl or a woman is going to be infected, she's going to have a partner that she's going to derive this infection from. from. So that reduces the burden on one part. But, you know, the point is that in economies where the response rate to vaccination, even in the female population, is low, we wouldn't want to drive the vaccine towards the male population when the focus is actually the girls. So first, we want to ensure the uptake of the vaccine is as high as possible among the girls before we start talking about the boys. So that's why it's not something that is so commonly pushed on, in this part of the world, our focus is to ensure those girls are you know, vaccinated and they're vaccinated early. I mean, early school age, so that by the time sexual exposure comes in, they are already fully protected. Mm-hmm. Okay, now the second part is the part of sexual debut. Okay. Now, what happens in a case where a young girl has been exposed to sex quite early, even yes. before having that information about the cervical cancer vaccination? Mm-hmm. In what case do you still give this vaccine? Okay, the thing is, one of the risk factors for, you know, increased risk of getting human papillomavirus and then, of course, getting cervical cancer is early age at sexual debut. Okay, so the earlier the sexual exposure, the earlier the age at first sexual exposure, you know, increases the chances having multiple sexual partners. So the point is that if you've started having intercourse early, you probably would How early? So, you know, we want people between 9 to 14. 
children between 9 to 14 to have gotten this vaccination because we know that after that time, we really cannot ascertain the fact that there hasn't been a sexual exposure. So we want to be able to catch them that early. So the point is, if one is having sexual exposure early, so it increases the chances that you would have been exposed from one or multiple sexual partners because there has been longer time of exposure, you know, to this virus. So that's why we want to focus on our school girls. Okay. All right, then that's it. Now let's now focus on the HPV vaccine. Okay. And how is it administered? Who should take it? What age? Just take us through it. That's the crux of the of the conversation. Okay, so the HPV vaccine, if taken early, so we're talking about the from age nine to fourteen, it requires just two doses. Okay. And it's usually it's in a pre-filled syringe. Pre-filled mean that everything is just in a pack in a syringe and it's a very small quantity. So just imagine the vaccination we also give to babies and all that. So because people are always scared when they hear vaccination, injection, something that's going to be so painful, oh, my daughter is going to cry and will. No, it's it's a very tiny needle and the volume of vaccine is also very tiny as well. So we give the first dose, okay, like I said, from age nine. But I mean, most of the time, people are more comfortable around age 12 to start the vaccination schedule. So you give the first dose, it's given in the arm, it's an intramuscular injection, and then afterwards we wait between six to 12 months you can get the second dose as well and so that's the aim of giving that you know vaccination at that time now outside of that age 14 15 the response rate of the immune system is not as fast as rapid as effective so usually after that age we want to now give three doses you understand so we give at month zero um we give at three months and we give at six months so for someone above 15, we want to give three doses. Those that are lower than that, we want to give two doses. And we need to ensure that you take all doses to ensure complete protection. However, it's important for me to stress that, you know, cervical cancer vaccination or HPV vaccine is just one aspect. It's called primary prevention, meaning that you're preventing before sexual debut. But what is most important is that even after vaccination, the girl needs to keep getting screened all her life up until she's 65 years old, even after being fully vaccinated. We'll get to that because I was about asking you that does getting the vaccine automatically make you immune all through your lifetime to cervical cancer? We will come to that conversation okay. mm-hmm. in a little bit. So before the first dose and the second dose, what's the amount of time? So between the first, for the two-dose schedule, between the first and the second is um, six months. But sometimes, yes, if for one reason or the other, you know, the child is not in a particular area where they can get it up until about 12 months. But the closer, the better. Zero to six months. All right, then the closer, the better. Now, I read that the cost of this vaccine is exorbitant. Dr. Esther, you will let us know, you know, that one because money is an issue. Let's not just, let's just call it spade a spade. Now, don't you think... This is a contributing factor to the low turnout of women to get vaccinated. That's my first question. Now, the second one is that it's the lack of an organized structure through which most of the eligible adolescents can be reached with the HPV vaccine. There's a lack of that in our society, which is very glaring. Now, what can be done about this? Okay, so the answer to your first question, you know, when you talk about cost, like, of course, as with every other thing in life, cost is relative. But I will have you know that the cost of the um, vaccine is actually lower than even the cost of some other um, childhood immunization vaccinations. 
Do you understand that people would readily go for maybe because of school entry requirements, you know, for programs outside the country, they will go for these vaccines. The HPV vaccine is actually cheaper than some of those vaccines. And now the point is that, I mean, it's relative. So you're looking at the cost of vaccinating this child and then the potential for protecting against cervical cancer. I mean, you don't want to even think about the cost burden for treating one person that has cervical cancer. There is no basis for comparison. So really, it's not even something we should be, you know, considering really it's it <laughs> at all. But I think it's not even the cost that is the issue. I think it's the lack of awareness. Do you understand about the need? Because, you know, on our EPI schedule of vaccination, the HPV vaccine is not there. Sorry, doctor, what's EPI schedule? So that's the expanded program on immunization, the schedule that the government has put in place for vaccinating children in Nigeria. Now, for most parents, once they've completed the vaccination on that schedule, they do not see any other vaccine as being relevant. Do you understand? And so there is that push to, because in developed countries, their rate of cervical cancer is rapidly declining because the HPV vaccine is on the schedule. Do you understand? So, and even the screening as well, you know, even after vaccinating, then women are screened continuously as a, on a regular basis. So that has reduced drastically the level of cervical cancer cases. So I think it's more of awareness for people to realize that, okay, even though I've completed the schedule, the EPI schedule, I should still get my children to be vaccinated against HPV. So it's more of the awareness. It's not really the cost, mm -hmm. I would say, is the issue. Now, you talked about the fact that it's not available. It's structure of reaching the their lessons, exactly. Yes, it isn't. And I mean, that's what a lot of hospitals, clinics, you know, health, public health professionals are trying to drive for cervical cancer vaccination to be included as part of the schedule that needs to be. Because the point is that if we don't take a public health approach, so if it's just one private organization that is, I mean, you cannot get the reach that would ensure that there is coverage all over the nation. And that's where, you know, taking a public health approach through the government is vital so that these vaccinations actually come from the health centers, they come into schools and things because we are focusing on school-age children. So they need to come into schools. So the structures need to channel the vaccines into schools for there to be adequate coverage. And that's what we do not have at this point in time. That's really sad. Now, as of February 2019, HPV vaccines were only available in private health facilities in Nigeria. Now, the government says efforts were however being made to include the HPV vaccine as a part of the national routine immunization, which you just talked about. But I think you answered that already, that what is the situation right now? Right, right it still now, the so same? It's still the same. It's still the same. 2021, 2019, that's two years. Mm -hmm. So in general hospitals, it's not yet available. No, it's not something that will be routinely available. That's really sad to hear. Okay, now the most popular question will be, is the vaccine a guarantee? Now I said we're going to come back to that particular question. If the vaccine is a guarantee to a free cervical cancer life, if no, then to what extent is it? Where is it going to stop? Where is it going to help you to? Okay, so, you know, I said that the efficacy of the vaccine is about 90-99% when it is even obtained before age of sexual debut. Most people do not take the vaccine and we're having that conversation here right now. So already that causes us to insist that we have to have screening. Now, the vaccine is also not 100% protective. So what it means is that even though the efficacy is very high, meaning that it's going to offer a very large chance of preventing cervical cancer in the child, there is still the need to ensure that screening is done. Because cervical cancer is slow growing. 
Meaning that it's not something that one gets infected with virus today and then you have the cancer tomorrow. It is quite slow growing. So over the number of years, the point is you are being screened almost throughout for a large percentage of your lifetime to just ensure that if there's any changes that would lead to cervical cancer, it is cut early. And that's one of the advantages of the screening program for cervical cancer. Unlike other cancers, you can't have such a lifelong you know, approach and it's not as effective as cervical cancer screening because with cervical cancer screening, nobody really should get cervical cancer. So that's why. Okay, so screening all through the lifetime. Up until now. age 65. 65. You will let me know why it's 65. Mm. Is there a reason why it's 65 is stopping at? Okay, because you know we talked about the fact that you have to have sexual exposure. Okay. To be able to get the virus in the first place. And so already, you know that as you know, as you start growing older, you know, sexual exposure, all those things begin to decline, decline as well. So and there isn't it's about a risk benefit, you know, need. So everything is also by research and determined. So that's why that age sixty five is pegged. Talking about women that have already been exposed to sex right from their tender age, even before knowing about the cervical cancer vaccine. They didn't have any information about it. They didn't know about it. And they might be wondering, someone listener might be wondering that, where does that leave me as a woman? So in that case, in that scenario, what do you advise we do? What can be done? Okay, so from age 21, you should start getting screened for cervical cancer. And so that can be by way of an LBC, liquid-based cytology. That's pap smear. It's a smear that is taken from the cervix and then taken to the lab where you analyze the cells under the microscope to actually see if they are abnormal. Now, the second thing that can be done is HPV. HPV is the virus, right? The, D, the testing for the DNA to find out if that virus is actually there. So the first test is to see their changes, which will be attributable to the HPV. But the second test I mentioned, the DNA testing, is to actually check for the virus itself. Like how you do HIV tests to check for HIV virus. So this one, you are checking for the HPV DNA itself. So those are tests that can be done at screening. So the first focus for a woman that is above 21 is to start getting screened. Now, after the screening is done, your screening can either show that your result is normal, meaning that you do not have any changes that lead to cancer, or it is abnormal. Now, if it is normal, you can also have a conversation with your doctor about the possibility of, okay, do I want to get the vaccine? Because the focus is actually screening. The vaccine for someone that is older, it is not something that is routinely recommended. But sometimes for women that are also even high risk, so take, for instance, a woman that already has coexisting immune suppressing um, conditions like HIV, she's six times more likely to actually get cervical cancer than her counterpart. So in situations like that, for example, she may have a conversation with her doctor about the need to actually get the vaccine. But a woman is actually okay just getting screened regularly. To in, that is enough to actually protect her from actually getting the cancer. So the screening is usually done two to three years apart. But if you do an HPV DNA, your doctor might decide to extend your screening for another five years. And then you can also do a co-testing where you do both the LBC, which is the smear, and then you do the HPV DNA together. So that's, you know, a form of co-testing as well that can also be done. 
Okay. Okay. Now talking about lifestyle practices for women. Yes. You. I think you also mentioned at the beginning when we we're having discussion earlier on that your certain lifestyle practices that can expose a woman to having cervical cancer. Yes. So what will you advise? Are there any precautions? What do we do aside the regular testing mm-hmm. that can help a woman not be exposed to cervical cancer? The very first thing is delaying the age of sexual debut because the earlier sexual debut is, the higher the risk of contracting HPV and also, of course, going on to develop cervical cancer. The other thing is um, ensuring that you're not smoking, okay? You are not having multiple sexual partners because that increases the risk of your exposure as well. Generally, maintaining a healthy lifestyle, reducing your chances of contracting other STIs, even things like chlamydia, for instance, would also reduce your risk Do you understand of getting HPV and, of course, going on to have cervical cancer as well? And then reducing the number of births, really. Do you understand? The number of kids that you're having. That is also an offshoot of sexual exposure. <laughs> Doctor well. Esther, reducing the number of kids. Hey! <laughs> that one, eh? Will be, will be a challenge. But yeah, that, I mean, it's also something that one needs to consider as well. Wow. All right. Now, your final thoughts as regards this. Any other thing you'd like to add before we run off? Okay, so, I mean, I will just summarize what I've just said. First, ensuring our girls are getting vaccinated, delaying the age of sexual debut, and ensuring that you get screened. You know, that is unnegotiable. Do you understand? Getting screened is the most important thing for women, especially from the age of 21 upwards. Of course, for a woman that has had surgery to remove her cervix for whatever reason, maybe fibroids or another kind of cancer or something, obviously there's no cervix anymore. So she doesn't have to worry about getting screened. Okay, then. So hospitals that we can get, somebody wondering right now that where exactly is it just all private hospitals? Okay, no, there are specific facilities that actually offer these um, services, like the medicenters in Ikeja, in Victoria Island, in Isolo and Ikotun, all have facilities to actually both administer vaccines and as well as collect the samples for the LBC screen and also the HPVD DNA as well. And it can also be done at SINLAB as well so i mean those and those are facilities that are both available on the mainland and on the island okay then so you should woman you're listening i think you should have uh, leverage on this opportunity and avail yourself just go get tested i mean it's been an amazing conversation with dr esther dilopo as always thank you for shedding more light as regards the hpv vaccine i believe a woman listening right now or any man listening on behalf of a woman yes right please <laughs> Advocate for us. Yes, please. You understand that the vaccine is a must get and most especially better gotten when before sexual debut. I've been speaking to a general practitioner at the Medicine Center Ikecha, which is a world-class primary care facility providing quality health care across its four locations in Lagos. She's a family doctor as well. Uh, she has an expertise in maternal and child care. I've been speaking with Dr. Esther Adilopo. Thank you for joining me on the show again. Thank you very much for having me, Gloria. <laughs> Thank you. And now, the HPV vaccine offers hope for world-free from cervical cancer. And the HPV infection can be curtailed if humanity is achieved using the vaccine. This can be achieved with the cooperation of parents, leaving no one behind. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.